welcome to the sanctuary a safe space to speak from the heart i'm your host israel and my guest today is super talented artist james niche thanks for coming to the sanctuary today sure thanks for having me yeah how, how are you doing today i'm doing okay as well as you can be doing during the lockdown i guess right right the right, nice. right right <laughs> that, that, i actually haven't been outside yet but hopefully i'll enjoy some of this nice weather um let's actually let's just start with that right you know as an artist um working on stuff did march last year when the first lockdown started did um did that affect anything for you yeah in a big way so one weird mm. positive was I mean, when the shooting happened um, last year, it was a big deal. And I was stuck in New Brunswick and I was really missing everybody back here and feeling like I wanted to be close to my friends and my family. And um, I drew this image of, you know, the Rampart Lions on the Nova Scotia flag hugging each other. Right. And that became like mm -hmm. the most viral image I'd ever done. Um, it got passed around thousands of times. And suddenly I became the guy who drew the hugging lions. So that was like a weird <laughs> positive effect. Um, right. Yeah. Um, but of course, it's hard to be creative when you're experiencing a lot of stress and anxiety. I think something mm -hmm. like the world, um, I think like psych psychiatrists and psychologists have been taking measurements on how many people have been reporting anxiety. And I think the number has tripled in the last year. Yeah, so it's been tough, you know, finding that creative voice. <laughs> what about you? Mm, mm. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, oof. So I was working on this documentary actually about career people uh, that do really cool stuff. And yeah, I had to shut that down because, you know, uh, first off, like for me, it was about the person um we actually cut down our crew really small um and we figured out a way to shoot it but um if like a participant wasn't comfortable we wouldn't shoot them um then then initially we're doing really great in the city so i was kind of shooting around things in a way and then what happened recently happened so that that shut it down but um i was working on that and then on my podcast like so i, I have the blackout podcast and i i love talking to people in person it's so it's so organic it's so mm, <laughs> you can kind of feel the energy in the room um and i love doing that then uh first we the studio was closed so we had to figure out what to do and then um decided to go virtual which has now you know led to starting the sanctuary which right it's okay I, i'm loving it and i'm loving it because like most times when i'm online in in um using my laptop or whatever and talking to people through this it's like you know a meeting or something i'm not really interested in but this is different because i'm really having a nice time so i can feel that vibe uh coming back so yeah yeah it affected a couple of things but 
uh i don't know like i always think as human beings we just learn we adapt and now people are getting their vaccine so hopefully thing will uh return back to some kind of normalcy hopefully i just got <laughs> yeah i just scheduled my shots yesterday it was really hard um i have friends who still haven't been able to get bookings yeah yeah i cannot i cannot it just says fully booked so my idea is to just wait for two weeks or whatever uh hopefully then people are not like you know all right on the website and then uh and then hopefully book it then um plus i don't go out much so <laughs> i don't really <laughs> like i'm a hermit like i was a hermit before so now i have a good reason yeah. you know before i need to come up um need to come up with excuses for uh why i don't want to do stuff but now i don't need one it's already baked in this is how <laughs> all you have to do is so um yeah let's talk about your work how did you start drawing um i was drawing before i was talking i was just one of those kids so i don't remember never drawing <laughs> and i had a couple of <laughs> aunties who lived with us as a family and they like to draw so i learned a little bit from them and i don't know like um honestly i wouldn't say drawing was my first love it just came very naturally to me um mm. but i started to see how art could change people and like change their minds about things right because it has a way of reaching people not just on an intellectual level but also emotionally and i find like for people to go through genuine transformations they need to have not just a logical reckoning with their own reasons for doing things but they need to come at it from an emotional place too so mm. i guess <clears throat> i guess i kind of intellectualized my decision to to become an artist <laughs> So, so like you draw, uh, but like, did you, I guess, go to school for it or? Yeah, I did. I went to um, the University of the Philippines and I, um, I have a BFA in fine art. So yeah, I went to art school. <laughs> How was that experience for you? It was, it was good. Um, I think I had ideas that were based on movies. <laughs> I kind of thought that going to art school would be like finding my tribe or whatever. Um, it just wasn't like that completely. Uh, it was a unique experience though. I, I really got along super well with my professors. That was something that I loved was going to the faculty room and just hanging out with my profs and talking about art and painting and semiotics and things like that. Um, it was a really cool- Wait, what was semiotics? Hmm? What's semiotics? Um, it's the study of symbols and meanings. Oh, okay. Huh. <laughs> That's putting huh, it okay, cool. simply, probably stupidly. I, my professor would <laughs> explain it better. <laughs> um, and then, you know, so you finish art school. What did you decide to do? Well, <laughs> um, I'm a bit of an idealist. So the goal is really to change the world. I don't know. It sounds so stupid now, but honestly, I just like I just wanted to be an artist and um, to have a positive effect on the world and possibly change it for the better. Um, I was, mm. you know, coming out of the closet and uh, dealing with in, dealing with that in a place where there was a lot of um, sort of like Christian directed homophobia. And um, 
I really wanted to make the place where I was living, um, namely Cebu City, um, a better place for other people like me. So, you know, I had, I guess, kind of aspirations to bring my work in that direction. And I actually so, led like the yeah. first, um, we had our first LGBTQ exhibit there that I organized. Wow. Um, and it was like the first time I think there was an exhibit like that in our city that was like talking about queer issues and not just, you know, pretty pictures of half naked boys. Mm. Huh. Um, so you said you were, was this, this was in just as you finished university or while you were still in there? Yeah, just, uh, both actually, <laughs> both. Um, so, yeah. um, you mentioned that this was just as about the time you're coming out. Um, was that difficult for you? Yeah, it was. I had hoped to not come out until I moved to Canada. Um, so just a little bit of background on me. I'm a dual citizen. So I've always had both citizenships. Um, I'm Filipino and Canadian, but I grew up in the Philippines and um, I always wanted to move to Canada um, and just sort of like explore this other half of myself, right? And my heritage. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was hard coming out in Cebu because, you know, it's largely Christian. And I also have very Christian family. So I was also fighting my own Christianity, you know, being raised in that and having to sort of like go through a disillusionment process. Um, so all of that was hard, but also dealing with homophobia, being treated differently. And then on top of that, just like dealing with issues around my race. And, um, you know, it was it was a, <laughs> like a beautiful salad of challenges. <laughs> um, but I got a, yeah <laughs> right 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 yeah so so because like yeah biracial queer and like living in this and, and then I, you know I, I'm trying to figure like when when you know this you said the homophobia is Christian I guess at least with some Christianity like do they kind of say oh there are things in the Bible or whatever that says you know you cannot do this or, you know, you're going to be damned eternally, something like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many different branches of Christianity now. It's kind of lovely to be here and see Unitarian churches where, um, you know, that they're very queer positive places. But, you know, where I grew up, it wasn't like that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all the typical stuff. I don't know um, how much you know about the Bible and like the Christian traditions, but They'll quote, a lot. Yeah, okay, well, then you know. <laughs> Quotes from Leviticus and stuff, and, like, they'll they'll have this and that verse that they'll throw in your face to tell you that it's wrong and that it's what God doesn't want you to do and stuff like that. Um, I've dealt with all of that stuff for so long that it's just tired. But <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it is always, I don't know, uh, kind of hypocritical when people say that and then news comes out that there's this mother god that like he's married but then he's like seeing guys on the side or he's like seeing um escorts and, and things like this of the of the same sex and it's like okay like why don't you just kind of accept what you are and i don't know 
you know it's complicated for a lot of people um especially you know you're going against your own indoctrination right and let's face it um the people around us indoctrinate us into their beliefs and when you start to face realities that fly in the face of all of that um you need to go through a real growth process that isn't easy at all because often you're doing it alone um mm. you know most queer people grow up in heteronormative families and you can't help feeling like an alien <laughs> um it's it's a it's a tough character building experience which is why coming out of the closet is still kind of like a bonding story for people who sort of belong in that rainbow community mm. um so i mean just you you spoke about the cebu cebu is yeah, it yeah it is cebu. in general the the region in general but like was it also difficult in your family oh yeah for sure like, at home yeah so i was forced out of the closet in a way because um i started dating this boy when i was in um university and he happened to be a born again christian youth leader <laughs> and he left his church um and we were together but people from his church came to my house and told me that they would out me to my mother if i uh, didn't stop this foolishness <laughs> so um I, you know, that kind of ruined my plan for coming out later on when I was in Canada already. Um, and I was, I don't know, I got mad and I was like, fuck those people. I'm, I'm not going to let them make that decision for me. Um, mm -hmm. So I took my mom out to a little movie date and I sort of like cherished this moment with her that I felt maybe could be our last together in that way. And then when we got home, I came out to her and she freaked out at me. <laughs> Um, classic reaction. Um, she was pretty upset and um, she wasn't cool about it. And it took many years for her and I to sort of like come to a point where we're in a really good place. Um, but we are in a really good place now. Like my mom has very publicly said things like, my son is gay and I'm proud of him. Or more importantly, my son is a gay artist and I'm proud of him. <laughs> um, 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 yeah, that so years. that was your mom. Yeah, yeah, that's your mom, but like, how about your siblings? Um, I came out to my sister Ruth uh, first. Um, we are very close. She's actually a very conservative Christian minister, um, praise and worship leader, <laughs> mother of three engineer. We're very different, but we're really close. And she just embraced me completely. I feel very loved and accepted by her, even though like we have our conflicts around um, our differences. Um, It's right. one of those cases where even though you're very different from your Christian sibling, um, there's total love and acceptance. So I think mm. we're sort of special in that way. My other siblings are pretty great about it. They're great about it. There's no difficulty or conflict whatsoever. In fact, the Canadian side of my family, my my white family, <laughs> it was never, ever an issue. Even with my dad, like right. he was really cool about it. It was more like my Filipino side that um, I had struggles mm. with. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, so how was the uh, LGBTQ art exhibit that you did? It was amazing. In I'm actually really proud of that exhibit. We had writers, um, dancers, painters, 
um, photographers. I wanted to pull in um, people from all sorts of disciplines. And I wanted, to, I wanted it to be as diverse as possible. Of course, that was a little bit difficult at the time, just like, I don't know, like uh, queer politics, just they weren't in a place that they are at today, right? But anyway, it was great. We had a, a really well-attended opening night. Um, I didn't want to have, um, I didn't want to have our gallery exhibit like in a hoity-toity gallery space. I wanted it to be in a really public place where that had like an artistic reputation. So there was this right. like cafe restaurant called Kahayag that was like owned and operated by graduates from my school. You know, they were artists and they, right. it was not just a restaurant. It was also like a gallery space. And more importantly, lots of people would go there, right? Like, and what I would say, like people who aren't even necessarily into art, like regular people mm. would go there and like see art and like be immersed in that kind of experience, which, you know, yeah. most people don't go out of their way to go into galleries. Let's face mm -mm. it. <laughs> mm. So I wanted it to, to be in a place where everybody could see it and like the most people would see it. So we did it there. And on opening mm -hmm. night, we had like a couple of dancers. There was musical performances. It was really great. It ran for like month, a month, and then we ran it for another month in another place, and it was really great. Yeah, I, mm. I had hoped to continue that tradition, but actually, a few months later, um, I ended up moving here to Canada, Halifax. And uh, and so did you? I mean, you're already a citizen here, but did you move for a specific reason also? Oh yeah, for sure. Um. Being mestizo or like half white there was complicated oh, okay. for me. Um, I don't know. I had a lot of I had a lot of issues around like feelings of belonging, and um, I never felt Filipino enough. Even my own family sometimes would I would feel like an alien in my own family. Um, my sister, my other sister Ruth, who sort of is the same profile as me. Um, she somehow acclimated to the culture better than I did. So I thought maybe I would acclimate to this culture better, you know, like this half. I was just always mm. curious about how I would fit in here in Canada. Um, mm -hmm. So it became sort of like a place that I was very curious about. Um, my dad, who's from here, like he never really took us here very often. So, yeah, he just like moved to Asia when he was very young and fell in love with the place and kind of never looked back. <laughs> but um, I was always curious about this place. And like, I wanted to get to know my grandma who was living here. And I wanted to get to know more of my family here and just like <laughs> see snow for the first time, you know, like, <laughs> like taste a fresh raspberry, <laughs> all of the stuff that you hear about. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I had always wanted to, um, go to university here too. So that was kind of like a dream and an aspiration. But you know, life takes you in directions. I ended up here anyway. Did you do the school thing? No, I wish. Um, what happened was um, there was a big Asian economic crisis that happened around 97, 98. And uh, Southeast Asia was hit really hard. And my dad ended up like losing all of his money. <laughs> and um, like I there's no way I could even afford the ticket let alone the tuition right so mm -hmm. it became um it was a really hard time when um 
like we had to make a lot of sacrifices and um, change our plans drastically. Mm. But it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm really proud to be a graduate of the University of the Philippines. That wasn't mm. my original plan. But, you know, spending those four years in university, it taught me actually to really appreciate and um, own my Filipino identity. Um, mm. I got better at speaking my local language and like being around, um, being in that environment was really good for me. And I'm glad that I stayed and I graduated valedictorian, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um, and then your medium, like, do you do, you use so many, because you, you do like the comic type stuff, you do illustrations, you do like, and then the other day you just put up this, um, being an artist is an important role. <laughs> and I was like, crayon. Um, so, like, do you just work in so many different mediums? Do you prefer anyone uh, to the other? Yeah. I really like making comics, but to be honest, it's been a minute since I, I did one. Um, I'm kind of a dilettante. I, I dabble in so many things. I just get curious about stuff, and I, I like getting good at things, too. So I can spend a little bit of time obsessed about this one little thing and then move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so <laughs> right now I've been really involved in teaching and like becoming teaching. Yeah. Um, I've been teaching a lot at the McPhee center for creative learning. It's uh, this facility in Dartmouth that does free after school programs. Um, and it's a great place actually to go with, especially if you're LGBTQI a to S um, lots of uh, the young people who go there identify as a member of that community and like um, it's a really great sort of like space to make friends we like host GSAs and the the students what there decide what we learn uh, what they want to learn too so they kind of decide the curriculum in a way <laughs> and so what are GSAs oh so gender sexuality alliances or what in the late 90s they would have called a uh, gay straight alliance okay yeah so they're sort of like gatherings for people to feel safe and to be able to discuss um things like gender and sexuality without prejudice mm. Mm -hmm. uh, and do you use art as a medium to do um run these discussions or do you say art to run yeah. um sometimes um a lot of the times people just want to get together and talk you know talk right. about how hard it is to you know deal with i don't know like breast binders or like um the pills that you need to take or um, surgeries even, or like dealing with parents, with friends or with things at school, like the bathroom issue or um, anything really. We could just be talking about a movie that was really cool that came out or just like whatever. It's just for people to, to be able to feel safe, to be able to be themselves and also make friends, you know, and like have a real sense of community because being 2S LGBTQIA isn't just about your gender and your sexuality. Um, you have a community that you belong to. And like we like considering the prejudice that our community faces, it is important for us to like look out for each other and make sure that we're um, protecting the rights that, you know, the people who went before us fought so hard to, to win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people. Pay uh, now, um, are, the, are those classes all online now? Um, most of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd say all of them right now. Um, right. Try to meet in person if we can, but right now that's not allowed. So <laughs> right, it's definitely right, affected right. Um, my work. Um, hey, does that, that was uh, like, in what way though does it affect it? By the way, I like your Black Panther mug. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a little bit like weird to drink out of because the lip of a cup should never go up. Right, right. It's like you're drinking out of a coconut. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been so long since I've done that. <laughs> I miss it. So, um, yeah, me too. Um, we would I buy it on, like you'd be on a boat on your way to an island and someone would be on another boat and you'd buy it in the middle of the ocean. Oh, yeah. My own experience of that, like, um, so there's this thing I used to do every Sunday back in lagos um there's a beach there are so many beaches well like there's this beach where every sunday all these artists just come and then there's like a stage people play music from like 12 to like you know whenever and then there's like coconuts there and there's this thing called suya and suya is really just like really thin meat on, on like a barbecue with oh man anyway <laughs> it's really nice so um Oh, 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 no, 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 no. Okay, maybe not really thin, not that thin. Maybe, but like, it's it's nice, trust me. <laughs> um, there's a lady, there's a lady in the city that makes it, but you know, it's 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 like not the same. <laughs> it's close, but it's it's not the same. It's like, ah, uh, well, I mean, we are like, I don't know, how many thousand kilometers from Lagos, so you know, you make do. Um. Yeah. And and then you move here. Um, what did you start doing when you moved to Canada? Did you like get a job or? Yeah. So my, my sister Ruth and I moved here together and we were living with my aunt, um, who is amazing. And uh, we went to the call center. We, you know, at that point in our lives, we, like I said, my family had just kind of lost everything and like my parents mm-hmm. were in the middle of separation and uh you know the responsibility of supporting our mother financially like fell on my shoulders and my sister's shoulders so we mm-hmm. went to work at um, a call center and we just tried to make money and it was miserable <laughs> um gosh it what was, was hard. miserable like, the call home. center hmm? What was miserable, the call center? Well, for me, anyway, I didn't thrive in that kind of environment. I mean, I, actually, I, I did pretty well. Like, I wasn't a bad worker at all, but I just didn't love the work. Also, the hours were horrible. Um, my sister had done some of that work, I think, before, or if she didn't, I don't remember anymore, but she, she did really well. She ended up working there for over a year and, like, getting promoted and stuff. But then mm-hmm. after a year, she, she flew back home to the Philippines. I stayed. Um, I worked at the call center for about three months and then I had an invitation from a good friend of mine to go work in Germany for three months. So how could I refuse? Um, it was also uh, a graphic design job. I was helping him put together like a book. So that was really fun because I got to sort of go back to something closer to what I'm good at. And that was a beautiful transformative experience. But it only lasted three months and I came back to Halifax and then I'm like, well, I don't know now. Like, I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> um, keep on working at the call center. So I look for a job downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up being a dishwasher at Cora's for a while. And then. Cora's. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
And then I tried to do that thing where you like work in cafes and also do art on the side. Mm -hmm. So I did that for like eight years before finally I was like, damn it. I'm like going to go through my whole life without ever being an artist full time. Cause, uh, at the, at the time I was more concerned with like being able to pay off like the mortgage on my mom's house in the Philippines. Right. I didn't get to, you know, I was kind of like not living a very privileged lifestyle. I didn't really get to save anything for myself. Any money that I made, I was sending to my family. So finally, I just like asked my family permission if I could um, stop doing that and uh, focus on myself and my career for a while. And um, it's weird, but yeah, I did ask permission for that. And I gave myself permission to be a full-time artist without falling back on a day job for five years. Mm. Um, so I did that. And I'm actually on year six now. Wow. Yeah. So I've been just like, what, was it scary when you decided to take that leap? Of course. Are you kidding me? I never know. <laughs> I never know when my next job is coming or how much it's going to pay and who am I got, who I'm going to end up working for and what the challenges will be. And during COVID that's extra, extra scary. <laughs> how did you, what are some things you did for, you know, that time? Once it's like, okay, you took this decision. Okay. I'm going to be a full-time artist. What are some things you put in place to uh, keep that going and going for that long? Uh, Apart from the discussion you have with your family. Well, yeah. Okay. So first of all, yeah. The fact that I don't have to, that obligation of sending money home meant that I was able to take more risks, right? Mm -hmm. Because now the only person depending on me is me. And that actually was very liberating, right? Um, that was a real game changer for me. Um, so <laughs> I've sort of just like been pushing the envelope on how many risks I can take with my career, I guess. But honestly, um, my motivation for becoming an artist was always idealistic, right? So I've, I'm trying to focus on things that just like make life feel worth living. Um, if I'm doing, if I'm working on a project that feels worthwhile, then I don't feel like I'm putting the precious hours of my life to waste. And to mm -hmm. me, that's, that's money. Do you know what I mean? That's worth something to mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. um, that's to me, that's worth more than like going on vacation. <laughs> right right but right, you know right, right some days i really really miss going on vacation <laughs> <laughs> so um i don't know i'm at a point in my life where i think i need to find a balance between thinking about my career in a monetary sense and thinking about my career in the sense of purpose uh, and what would the purpose be apart from changing the world <laughs> again just like to feel like i'm what I'm putting out into the world is positive and making it a better place. Sort of just like standing for your ideals. Like, what do you believe in? Like, what do you really stand for as a human being? Mm. Yeah. So like, I try to think about that. Mm. And it can be something as simple as like fun. Right. But then also just like other things like supporting causes or like for, right now, for example, one of the things that I do a lot of is graphic recording. Have you hear, heard of this? I was just about to ask what that is. I don't know. No. So you go to a meeting and you are kind of like a note taker, but instead of like writing notes in a notebook or whatever, you're doing it on a huge piece of paper the size. Oh, of that's what that thing is called. I went to a conference. <laughs> this is way back 
you know, before COVID, I went to a conference and there's this lady, when someone is saying something, she'd go and draw on this board. I actually have a photo of it somewhere in my phone, I think. <laughs> it's great. Um, Brave Space, do you know? Do you know Brave Space? Uh, I no, think I'm that's what they're called. Yeah, so I think Brave Space is like either the company or the or like the collective or whatever. And I think yeah, actually on Instagram and it's Brave Space. But that's why I saw this lady and she was like drawing what the person was saying. Like the person would say community and then she draw people. Is that what this is? That's what this is. Yeah. So it's uh, basically it's... taking notes using like images, symbols, words. Oh, it's so freaking cool. I didn't know what it was called. I just like, I was, it was mind blowing. Um, here's the thing though. <laughs> and I, I, how do you charge? Do you charge for the time? Do you charge for drawing? How does that work? Uh, normally it's uh, by the hour. So like half a day. Okay. Late, day okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's just up to the artist to interpret it uh okay yeah okay. it's uh very challenging work i have to say because uh really the thing you have to be doing the most of is listening and processing the information because what you're doing is it's almost like imagine you're listening to the news and then you're having to explain it at the same time to somebody beside you who doesn't understand the news <laughs> mm, mm, um, mm. so you're trying to simplify information you're trying to make it succinct and concise. Um, and at the same time, you're trying to figure out how to how to communicate that visually. So symbols that um, kind of like encapsulate concepts like synergy <laughs> or renewable resources <laughs> mm, or mm. I don't know, just like stuff like hope or whatever <laughs> right um, right but right, it has been right. really good because like doing like i go to meetings a lot um that support first nations communities um and i've gone to meetings like about immigration or like meetings about like issues with the dfo or with environmental conservation and stuff like that and i feel like it's bringing me closer to my community and i also feel like i'm being able to use like the talents that i have of like being able to illustrate and also teach and like use everything that I know how to do to sort of like help my community understand something better um, or and feel heard. Mm. So it's like pretty amazing work, but I haven't been able to do that really since COVID, right? The, the lockdown really affects your ability to be in a room with people. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. But, um, so let's talk about like comics i know you say you don't do that often but what got you into creating it this do you mean comics yep um comics is why i'm still alive today like i feel really indebted to comics as an art form because when i was in what way well when i was um when i was in the closet and an awkward you know very mentally disturbed teenager like on the brink of suicide i you know comics helped me out of that comics gave me a world to escape to where i felt seen and understood um like reading yeah. the x-men when i was a young teenager like really that did something for me that i really needed at the time so i wanted to to be able to pass that feeling on 
and like make comics and like give people that same feeling. So I started doing comics with my friends and actually before we were in high school, we were published in like a local um, publication called Popcorn Comics, which was like an indie comic. Um, it was really great. We got paid 10 pesos a page, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> That's nothing by the way, but it felt great. It felt like, you know, here I am, I'm a young teen, I'm already getting paid um, to publish. Mm. Yeah. And um, I don't know, like, um, I did comics later on with other people. And like, I like probably most notably, like I did this comic hero with a uh, local author, Adam Sigris. And I also did Stripling Warrior with Brian Anderson, which is about gay Mormon superhero. <laughs> but I love comics. And I, I don't think I ever will stop loving comics. I'd actually like to be able to get back into it. It feels like mm. the art form that works best for me. Even even my paintings look like comics. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Um, and like, uh, what, what, you know, so I guess, why did you slow down on making them? Um, again, because I like trying different things and, and getting good at them. And graphic recording started to become really interesting and teaching started to become really interesting. And I was starting to do a lot of like infographics work and like trying to, trying to like really comics is just one way of relaying information and all the skills that I use for making comics I'm using now to explain concepts like what are the paths to success for women in sciences and technologies <laughs> or, you know, like stuff like that. Um, mm. so it's been, it's not like I'm doing stuff that is, isn't challenging. So that's been kind of occupying me and my curiosity. So mm. I, I sort of like let comics fall by the wayside a little bit. Um, but I feel like it's time to pick it back up again. And, and like, do you always work with a writer or do you ever want to write your own comics? I did actually write my own comics. Um, when my sister Ruth had her babies. Um, I started to, um, I don't know, I was kind of like aching to be an uncle. I had all my nephews and nieces growing up around the world and not, and I wasn't able to like be a part of their lives really. So I decided that I would write comics that would help me be an uncle, <laughs> um, from far away. So they sort of became like Aesop's fables. Right, right, right. Yeah. So they were like animals, but like talking about stuff that I had learned through the years. Um, and I called it zoo files, <laughs> which bothered, <laughs> bothered some people because they think about zoophiles <laughs> just one way. But... <laughs> right, 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 right. For the record, a zoophile is anybody who just like loves animals. It's not necessarily someone who has sex with them. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so now uh, with, I guess you've been doing the full-time artist thing for six years now six right yeah um and you're just gonna keep it going um i hope so um i feel like covid is making everybody um question their path especially a lot of independent people right small business owners and things like that um we've all had to sort of reconsider our our work and if it's essential <laughs> um which is horrible, but um, so far I'm still able to pay my bills. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to keep trying. 
Because, uh, again, I mean, you know, I, I won't feel... I'm not going to beat myself up if this doesn't work out and I have to go back and, like, do a day job or whatever. But right now, I'm, I'm still here and I'm still fighting. So I'm going to keep on trying because why not, right? You need to, mm-hmm. you need to live the life that makes you feel alive. Um, <laughs> so right, why not? Right. Let's keep it. Right. Let's keep trying. Right. Um, and then, so comics, you said pretty much save your life. Um, would you say I'd play the role too? Uh, yeah, for sure. I don't like what is art. <laughs> is is the comic not art? Yeah, um, yeah. I'd say yeah. Of course, art played played a role. Art is um, art is self expression that moves and touches other people, right? I would say creative self expression. Yeah, for sure. Like teaching people the meaning and value of art, um, watching other people make it, especially young people, just like discovering their own artistic voice. That's been incredibly uplifting um, and healing. Uh, how could it not be? And like, um, I try to think of my comic book making as art making too right just like for you this is your art it is it is it is um okay 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 so what are they i mean with covid and everything going on um and everything is being online now are you like working on anything tangible like in your space uh or like on your computer yeah yeah definitely um, it just sucks because like um, I'm supposed to be like right now I would have been working on this really amazing uh, mural project for North Dartmouth uh, with nice. a city and that would have been so amazing but because of COVID that's postponed to like maybe next year <laughs> and I don't know there's like uh, gallery exhibits that I'm supposed to be part of so I'm trying to work on those pieces and just like trying to do some things for fun for myself just to keep the soul alive and also working on those infographics right like (laughs) just like whatever commissions i have to do portraits things like that i'm doing a couple of short comics for some researchers who are looking into um gender and um, body dysphoria so those have been really interesting it's like translating other people's um research into comics (laughs) Mm. Um, so i'm doing stuff it's it's you know keeping me interested right 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 yo james uh i'm gonna let you go but before i do something you know came to mind and i was like you know i'm just gonna ask right someone is out there watching or listening to this episode and they're like okay i want to take that leap right i want to jump all in and you know whatever my art or whatever my passion is i want to be able to pay my bills with that you've done it for a couple of years now what advice would you share uh, with this person i would say um be brave (laughs) be strong and be kind to yourself because like um you know you can plan and always like uh make sure you're paying your taxes <laughs> and paying attention <laughs> to your financial situation, right? Try to be on right. top of your, of your shit. And like, also take responsibility for yourself. Um, Cause that's mm-hmm. the hardest, one of the hardest things is just like finding the discipline to be your own boss and to take care of yourself in that way. 
Yeah. Because uh, definitely <laughs> that's uh, one of those things where if you're not good at that, you need to get good at that. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I'd say like, don't do it unless you're really passionate about it because it's not easy. Not at all. Um, people think it's a breeze and like you're making your own schedule and stuff, but you're not really. <laughs> Only to a certain extent. You need to yeah. sort of grow comfortable with uncertainty, um, which is, mm. you know, something <laughs> it takes getting used to. It takes a certain bit of psychological endurance. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, that's very true. Because mm -hmm. like sometimes you get all these jobs and then sometimes like now with COVID things just narrow down and you're not working as much as you'd like to definitely um but if you like the one thing that sort of like is my armor that makes me strong at this is i have a level of belief in what i'm doing like i have some conviction mm. and i i feel the purpose of my path um it feels mm. um authentic to me so i know i have that at least i have that going for me and, um, you know, I'm not so proud that I'm not willing to say, like, um, I need to pivot or, like, do something because I need to, to pay this or that bill, right? Also, like, have some practicality and just take care of yourself, right? Take care of the people around you that you need to take care of. Man, James, thank you so much for sharing, talking about growing up in the Philippines and sharing your experience and, uh, you know, advice also. I uh, had a great time having you in the sanctuary. I'm really, really grateful. Thanks for coming thank on. Thank you, Israel. It was nice to meet you.